Hi, this is Michael Buffer, and welcome to the Box Hard Podcast. Hello, everyone. This is Mikey Garcia. It's the monster from the swamp, Regis Ruguru Program. Hey, what's up? This is King Carlos Molina, former IBF world champ. This is Michael, the bounty hunter, 2012 Olympian and your people's champ. This is Charlie Edwards, flyweight champion of the world. This is Fast Eddie Chambers, and you're listening to the Box Hard Podcast with my main man, Joey Coastman. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 361 of the Box Hard Podcast. I'm your host, Joey Coastman. I'm joined, as ever, by former heavyweight world title challenger, my good, good friend, Mr. Fast Eddie Chambers. Eddie, how you doing this week, my man? No, I'm doing good, my man. How about you? Always good when speaking with you. It's going to be slightly different this week because last week, um, you know, last weekend, the fight... The, the, the single fight that we previewed, which of course was Shields Marshall slash um, Mayor Baumgardner, of course, ended up getting cancelled. So we have nothing to review. So instead, part one is going to be the news part. Then we're going to welcome our special guest, which will be Michael Fox. And then in part two, we will finish up with the preview part. So let's start here with... The um, the news part, like I say, and the first piece of news is that the Shields and Marshall fight and the card itself got postponed due to uh, the Queen passing away in the UK, so they suspended um, most, if not all, sporting events over the weekend just gone. They're looking at rescheduling the fight card for October 15th, I believe it is. Um, in other news, we have the fact that October 29th, Vasily Lomachenko returns to the ring. He gets in with Jermaine Ortiz, that one to be at 135 pounds at lightweight. That's the main event there at the Hulu Theatre um, at the MSG. It's going to be live on ESPN+. Rabisi Ramirez on the undercard against Jesse Magdaleno. That's going to be a really good fight. Really looking forward to that one. Uh, We'll see how much Jesse Magdaleno has left in the tank. In other news, it's a big, big shame, actually, for UK boxing. We've been very unlucky in the last week or so because, yeah, Lee Wood was set to defend his WBA featherweight world title against Maurizio Lara. That one was going to be going down on September 24th. Unfortunately, Lee Wood has picked up an injury. It's a bicep injury. I think he tore it in sparring. You know all about torn biceps, Eddie. So he's out the fight. Um... The show does still go ahead. The co-main event has now been elevated to the main event, and that main event now is Maxi Hughes defending his IBO lightweight world title against former IBF featherweight world champion, friend of the show, Mr. Kid Galahad. So all the best to Kid Galahad there. Um, In other news, there have been two fights added to the Deontay Wilder and Robert Hellanius undercard. Again, the date for that, October 15th. At the Barclays Center, um, on the undercard, we have Frank Sanchez getting in with Carlos Negron, and we also have Gary Antonio Russell getting in with Emmanuel Rodriguez. So, yeah, good fights there on the undercard. Um, That's about it for the news. So, like I say, we've flown through part one. The final thing for me to do is to welcome this week's special guest. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome the welterweight contender. It is, of course, Mr. Michael Fox. Michael, welcome back on the show, my man. Hey, man. Good to be back, man. Thank you for having me once again. 
always, always, always a pleasure speaking with you, Mike, my friend. You know that. We last spoke back in August of last year, so just over a year ago. Um, it was literally days after the fight against Gabriel Maestra. Um, a fight, of course, you lost on the cards in what I described at the time as one of the most controversial decisions in boxing history. Um, just briefly, how do you feel about that situation now, obviously, a year on, Mike? I mean, it's in the past now. I mean, everything that we could have tried to do about it, we we did. Um, now we're just moving forward, and you know, we got a guy. We have a, we have a a, a, a bigger opponent uh, with a solid name uh, that that'll give me a chance to show that that wasn't a one night thing. I, I can I can produce uh, I can produce uh, fights like that all the time. Absolutely, no one night stands at all. Um, Maestra, Maestra went on to, in some ways, unexpectedly draw with Taras Shalestzuk, I think his name is said. Did you happen to see that? And if so, what did you think of that, Mike? Um, no, I tried to uh, I tried to find that fight. Um, I couldn't find it on YouTube or anything, so I don't know. I don't know how he actually did, if he deserved to win or if he should have lost, like he should have lost August 7th, 20, 2021, but... Um, if I find it, I, I, if, I ever, if ever I find it, I'm going to check it out and see what he actually did. But, like, the thing about it is, you know, he undeservingly got a, a W over me. Then he gets a draw. It's like, is this guy – are y'all just doing a bunch of favors for this guy? Did he deserve to win? Did he actually deserve to win the, la, uh, the last time out against um, against Sh- 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 and or, or, or not? But – I mean, it's like they, it's like whoever somebody somebody's looking out for him, some guardian angel or something like that. Yeah, it seems that way. And you haven't fought since that fight, of course. And it's like I say, over a year ago now. By the time your fight rolls around, it will be 14 months since you last boxed. But you are still world ranked. You hold a top 15 ranking with, ironically, the WBA, the same organization title that you fought for against Maestra. So you should be world champion, but they have kept you in their rankings despite the inactivity. What are your feelings towards the WBA, Mike? Well, I mean, I'm appreciative that I'm still in their rankings, you know, especially uh, being in, uh, not being in a ring for a year competitively. But um, you know, uh, it's it's just we just have we just have to move forward. You know, the WBA has was here before me; they'll be here after. They'll probably be here after me. So, you know, you just have to take I guess kind of take things in stride. You know, it's I'm it's still in a good opportunity. I was actually in the top ten, but due to the inactivity, they moved me back to uh, like eleven. Um, but like I said, we're still up there. We're still up there, and we can and and a couple uh, get a get a couple get a string of wins. I think I think a win in this next fight could put me higher in, in the WBA rankings, and maybe put me in the the, uh, the rankings with one of the other three sanctioned bodies. So, um, you know, just saying, we're taking things in stride. Yeah, for sure. And I think they they most recently released their rankings. I think you're now at 12th, by the way, from 11th. But yeah, of course, yeah. I'll see that moving after this upcoming fight. And let's get to it. It's been announced, like I said, you'll be boxing the man known as the mean machine, Aegis Kavalowskis, on the undercard of Fandora Ocampo. Tell me what you know about the mean machine, Mike. Um, I know he is a former Lithuanian Olympian. I also know he uh, he faced he fought uh, hard against Terence Crawford and Virgil Ortiz, um, and, I, and, I, and he 
in between those fights, he fought uh, Mikhail uh, Zuski. So I mean, he's he's a uh, he seemed to be like a very technical boxer. Throws a good punch, especially a good counter punch. Um, yeah, so I, I'm excited. I mean, I'm excited to get in the ring. Like I said, this is a this is a, a noteworthy enough name to uh, announce my return. Or, I mean, announce a return for either one of us, you know, because we've both been out of the ring for almost the same amount of time. He fought a week after me. So, you know, um, and he hasn't fought since. So, you know, the winner of that fight, you know, they start, they, they get they get a buzz back. Once they get that buzz, we see what we can do from there. And was this the fight that you wanted, Mike, or was it one of the only opportunities on the table? Um, I think this is one of the... Only, well, the counter is one of the only opportunities on the table. But what it uh, what it happened after the uh, fight, I got an offer in October to fight. Uh, that got canceled, uh, and an an opportunity in April to fight. Uh, that one also got canceled. So when by the time this came about, I was just ready to be back. So, you know, I got a good name uh, on the I got a good name uh, across the ring. I got a tough opponent across the ring, but you know. There's nothing to gain in fighting, taking easy fights. So, you know, I, I, I'm under the impression that, you know, every fight uh, from now on is going to be a tough one, you know? Yeah, for sure. And obviously, um, Kavalowskis, you know, in his last few fights, you mentioned a couple of them, Virgil Ortiz, last time out. Before that, the the Michael Zuski um, fight in which he was down on one of the cards and he was up by two points on the other two cards at the point of the stoppage um so that one that one was a really close one obviously before that terence crawford and before that the draw with uh, ray robinson at the 2300 arena in philly um have you seen most of them fights have you have you looked at um his tape in particular in any of those fights yeah absolutely i, I watched the uh virgil ortiz the, i watched virgil ortiz crawford those were easy to find Ray Robinson uh, fight was hard, a little hard to find. The Zuski one was also easy to find. The Ray Robinson uh, fight was a little hard to find, but I did manage to find that. I actually uh, shout out. I didn't know he had fought Ray Robinson, so you know, shout out to a buddy of mine. His name is uh, Rich Diggs uh, um, on Twitter. So you know, that was a fight worth looking for. And then shout out to a buddy of mine. His name is Shadid Ali. He actually found the website the fight was on, so I was able to look at that fight. You know, um, you know, when I get in the camp, I'm not one of those guys that are like, oh, I don't check tape, I don't check tape. I check, I, I check tape because I assume they're checking tape on me. However, you know, at the end of the day, what we're bringing to the ring is what each other, each of us have to do battle with. So, you know, the way, the same way, I'm doing what I can to prepare for him. He has to prepare for me. And may, and, and and if things go my way, he he won't he won't have an answer for what I bring to the table. Absolutely, man. Absolutely. Like I say, sometimes you can read too much into it. Sometimes, you know, people don't like to watch it. I respect what you're saying there. Um, I think the Ray Robinson fight in particular is a fantastic fight to watch because I saw him, you know, exploited a lot of times in that fight by someone as experienced as Robinson. And obviously that one could have been a loss. It was really close. Um, What will be harder, Mike? This fight with Kavalowskis or your cryotherapy session you had this week? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I think I think the uh, I think it's definitely gonna be the main machine fight. You know, uh, um, you know, respect to the. I mean, you know, you gotta 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 respect gotta respect his resume. Gotta respect what he's done. Gotta respect who he's been in uh, in with against uh, in with. But you know, um, you know, I'm, I'm prepared to go. I'm prepared to go ten rounds. That's why I did the cryotherapy so I can keep my body fresh. 
Um, I'll probably do it one or two more times before I uh, before the fight comes up. But I can't lie, man. I think you know I was never I was never made for the cold weather. If I was an animal in a former life, I was probably something like a lizard or something somewhere where it's nice and hot. So that that cryotherapy, the, the, the cold got to the bone. <laughs> And I've got to ask you, of course, how's your brother Tez getting on? Obviously, he hasn't boxed since December last year. He was stopped in four by David Morrell, who seems like he's, you know, a really special fighter. But how is Tez other than that? Oh, he's good. He's good. He's, um, you know, he, he's he's still waiting on a date. Um, we talked to our advisor. He says he's working on something. It's going to be, going to be uh, probably some kind of small, but, you know, just to get him back active. Um, he told me, uh, my, my advisor, when he called me, he told me, you know, he's working on getting Tez in the ring. It's been, you know, he was putting, he was, uh, I think he was putting a little more focus on me just because, you know, the calendar, the, cal- the calendar months had been, you know, going by so fast, you know, that he, and I had been out of the ring longer, but now that I'm back in the ring, now that I got something on the, on the, uh, on the calendar, putting some focus into getting, uh, Tez back on, uh, back in the ring. Um, something, something small, but just like, you know, this is what, it's fine. We want to stay active. That's always been a, uh, it's always been something that's hard. That was hard for uh, Ted's in his career, signing different promoters, signing different managers, and everything. But they always struggle finding them fights. And if you ask my dad, he says he would tell you that that's the uh, that is the biggest like that was the that's the biggest hurdle in Alon Ted's career is that you know it was hard for him to remain active. And, you know he when he was getting turned down by guys like early in his career when he's undisputed. You know guys like Evgan Kitrov and Derevchenko, Derevchenko, and and you know people, people, people who are who have noteworthy well, people, well Derevchenko who's had who still has a fairly noteworthy name, you know we couldn't you know he couldn't get those fights early, you know, um, so just the activity, activity is always or let's say inactivity has always plagued Alonso as far as his career. Yeah, it's a great shame, but obviously it's clear to see why he's so avoided. Um, your division, welterweight, um, Crawford, Spence, I don't think we're going to see it this year, unfortunately. It just seems like we're having a lot of back and forth. Hopefully I'm wrong. But anyway, when that fight happens, if it happens, I should say, who wins that one for you, Mike? Well, yeah, from, from, what, I, from what I just saw on Instagram, they said um, Earl Spence is going back to the ring in November with or without, or with or without Crawford across the ring. Um, but here's hoping he is across the ring. If the thing is for me, I, that is a fight that I honestly have a toss up with. I've had, I've asked me people have asked me a lot. I've watched Terrence Crawford fights. I've watched Earl Spence fights. It's just a good fight, just because I think um, they're both good boxers. I think um, Terrence is a better counter puncher. Uh, Earl does. I think Earl is a little more efficient with his offense. You know, he puts punches together. All of them are pretty hard. He, he's a uh, probably a better combination puncher, but um, but but the thing is, both of them, they, neither one of them mind taking a punch to bring a, deliver a harder one. So whenever that fight goes down, we're gonna have a good one. We're gonna have a good one. But I'm honestly up in the air about that fight. That fight, I can't I can't really nail anything down. I can tell you that my father is pretty set on picking Earl Spence just because you think you know Earl Spence has been at the weight class longer. He's got more. He's got the better names at welterweight. So you know, I mean that, and resume really does mean something uh, for some of the, especially for like for as, as far as legacy wise. But you know, it's what you do on the night of the fight. You know, everybody had to. You know, every 
everybody had these, like, you know, um, upsets happen and things like that. But, I mean, I'm not even sure who's the favorite in the fight. But, yeah, I'm really up in the air about it. Yeah, hopefully we see it. It's a fantastic fight. Obviously, we'll see who the king of the division is when it goes down. And just finally, man, my last real question. Mike, I guess it's kind of a, probably a silly question, but your prediction for October the 8th when you're across the ring from the meme machine, I'm guessing the the uh, the mission is to just outbox this guy um, over the 10. Yeah, that's that's mainly the mission. Just um, October 8th, get the, get the, uh, get the W. Um, I mean, I think I think there's some questions that's going to uh, be answered about me and Machine. I mean, you know, um, I was listening to an interview. Somebody was talking about our fight. He said, you know, him and him being stopped in two of his last three. Um, he said we we got to see we got to see if he has a lot left. If he has will, I'm training for the Me Machine that that uh. I'm trying for the main machine that that hurt Terence Crawford in his world title fight, and you know, and he was looking to get the and, and was coming in for the dub, uh, was trying to go for the stop and thing. I'm training for the best main machine, so if anything that falls under that, they they're, they're not going to have a successful night. There we go. I believe you, my friend. I, I truly do. I cannot wait for the fight. I cannot wait to see you back in the ring showing the world what you can do. Just finally, Mike, if you've got any closing words just before we let you go, if you want to say anything at all to the listeners, take it away, man. Uh, I just want to say, man, it's been a long time. We're finally back. Um, uh, thank you to everybody that was on Twitter or on any social media campaign to get me back in the ring. Um, you know, those, those, you know, those tweets don't, don't fall on. They, somebody, somebody sees them. I certainly saw them when they tagged me. Um, and you know, the to the to the to the new followers I gained, I look to impress you. Y'all are here now. My my goal October eighth is to make y'all, is to give y'all a reason to stay. But you know, thank you for everybody who 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 uh, who really petitioned for me to get back in the ring. And 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 when when the when like I said when the final bell was over. Y'all were still fighting for me afterwards. I appreciate that greatly. Yeah, no, absolutely. I loved the reaction from all the social media people that, that you know, came out and spoke up against what we saw go down last August. Um, you, you, were, you, you were, yeah, showered with support, which was really refreshing because I think the whole world could see what happened. And it was at a time where I think... You needed that support, so I'm really happy that social media were uh, were there for you, Mike. Um, like I say, it's always a pleasure speaking with you, Mike. Best of luck, October 8th. I'm sure we'll speak uh, right after the fight. And yeah, until next time, man, love you lots. Yeah, man, until next time, man, always, like I said, always good to hear from you. Um, oh, let me ask you, let me ask you really quick, since you're in the UK, you know, I don't have a podcast, man. I'm just asking now. <laughs> but um, since they're in the uh, UK, what do you think of the uh, the Eubank versus Ben fight? So the general consensus really over here, Mike, is that um, Eubank is just too big for Connor Ben. And Connor Ben has obviously blasted out a lot of these kind of guys that are really 140 fighters like... Uh, you know, your likes of Chris Algieri, half kind of retired. The likes of... Um, who else has he got on that list? I think Samuel Vargas. These kind of smaller 140 guys, whereas Eubank is a true 160 fighter with a granite chin. You know, um, he's fought much yeah. bigger, stronger guys. Um, it's not like Conor Ben's going to knock him out or nothing like that. I think 
yeah, it's either Eubank knockout or Eubank points. I can't, just like a lot of people as well, I can't really see a way that um, Conor Ben can win that one, man. Yeah, yeah. Like I was saying, uh, that's something to consider too. Eubank is, has fought as high as super middleweight, you know, um, which is, I mean, which is why they, you know, they, they move, put the, the, the contract weight, you know, at like 157. But um, it's all, it's not necessarily that how he gets down. It's more about, you know, what he puts back on, what he comes back to me is what he comes back to the ring at. at. If he comes back to the ring in the, uh, in the, in the 170s, then Connor could be in for a rough night. I mean, despite that, I'm still rooting for Connor just because, like, yeah, yeah, dude, you're a middleweight. Why aren't you? You couldn't find a middleweight name. Demetrius Andre needs to fight. Char- Jamal, Jamal Charlo needs a, a noteworthy name at 160. So I mean, I'm, I'm put. I guess I'm pulling for the for the the, the smaller guy. It just, just how that's just how it uh, happens. Yes. Um, you see, a, you see a big guy, you see a little guy, and then you're like, yeah, come on, little guy. I, but you know, like I, I'm rooting, I'm rooting for Connor. I'm rooting for Connor Ben just because I just don't like, dude, you're a middleweight. Like, what do you have to yeah, gain? Exactly. Unless there's a lot of money involved. Yeah. Yeah, I'm sure there's a lot of money involved. But also, if you remember as well, when Kel Brook knocked out Amir Khan, um, you know, Eubank was calling out Kel Brook, another welterweight, and it's just like, why do you keep fighting these guys who are pretty much retired like he's fought a lot of guys they've never fought again like James DeGaulle like Arthur Abraham all these like former world champions that are old like they don't fight again you know he fought obviously George Groves I think George Groves only ended up having one fight after that like he fights a lot of guys that are basically at the end of their careers and they're they're the guys at his weight so why he should be looking at a guy like Kel Brook who's a finished welterweight like that's just terrible and also he's said before that if he retired tomorrow from boxing he'd be really happy and and like grateful with his career i mean he won an ibo world title like that is not you know that's not considered a major world title especially in the uk by the way so yeah like he used to go around to bars and nightclubs with his ibo world title like people were taking pictures with it not knowing what it was so (laughs) you know this this is uh this is a guy that's gained a lot of haters, obviously, because his dad was such a great fighter. And um, he had all the tools, man, honestly. He was so tough, so aggressive. He could have he could have he could have become a true world champion, but his career's just been uh, it's just been bizarrely, bizarrely managed. These weird fights, man, like weird fights. And then yeah, when he was when he was gonna fight like, You called out a watch you remember? You called out Watchway. You called out Kel and you called out Connor Ben, like you didn't even call out the guy that was like a weight class under you. That made a little more sense. Two entire weight classes, but I mean, I'm sorry because, to cut you off. Go ahead. No, it's because I think there's obviously history with um, both of their dads, obviously, Nigel Ben and, and Chris Eubank. Like, they had two fights. They were massive. So this is going to be a big money fight because of the history. I think they're calling it... It's a great name for the card. They're calling it Born Rivals because obviously both yeah, their dope, dads. Dope. But... Eubank, yeah, I mean, like, yeah, I mean, if you remember, he was going to fight Golovkin years ago, then he didn't, and Kel Brook ended up stepping in with a few weeks to go, and also, he um, he had, like, one fight that we thought, ooh, this is a great, great fight, maybe we're going to see him get exposed, and it was against um, Korobov, and if you remember correctly, I think Korobov injured his ankle or something, and he had to uh, shoulder. That was his shoulder that Yeah, time. he had to pull out yeah. in the second round, so we didn't even get to see the fight unfold. 
So yeah, yeah, like, it wasn't, and it wasn't even. It was start. It was off to a bad start for um for, for, for Eubank. Exactly. That's what I say. It was only two rounds, but I mean, Korobov's the like, most unluckiest guy in history. Honestly, the the worst luck no of doubt. any boxer. No doubt. The guy had all yes, the talent. Absolutely. Just yeah, too many injuries, man. And you, as you get older, yeah. it can happen more and more. Um, yeah, like and the thing is, like Korobov lands his left hand up, throws his left hand a lot. So it's like once that went, you knew. Once his shoulder goes, his left shoulder goes out, you knew that's kind of not all he has, but that's the bulk of his offense. Yeah. Um, yeah, well, great talking to you, man. Like I say, um, we text a lot, you know what I'm saying? So, yeah, text me whenever, man. You know that. Yeah, for, for certain, man. It's all, like I said, always good to hear from you, man. Always good to hear from you. Okay, now it's time for part two on this week's show. This part, of course, the... Preview part. Now, I was just about to say the news, but no, it is the preview part. We're going to start here with a card that takes place at the Montreal Casino in Quebec, Canada. Just one fight to mention. It's the main event. It's for the NABA heavyweight title, the NABF heavyweight title, and the WBC silver heavyweight title, which is currently vacant. We're going to see... Arslanbek Makhmadov, who's 14 and 0 with 14 KOs, he gets in with Carlos Takam, 39 and 6 with a draw these days. Takam, um, obviously Makhmadov has that 100% KO um, percentage, and it's going to be interesting to see if he can score a big knockout again um, and keep that 100% record intact against someone. Um, with the credibility of Carlos Takam, which I must admit I think is diminishing slightly, um, you know, as time goes on, but still a good name, still a good name to get a stoppage over. Um, I think it took Joshua, what was it, 11 rounds, I think, all those years back now. So, um, yeah, if he can do it early, um, it should be interesting as well, because I think Carlos Takam gave Joe Joyce quite a hard fight, if I remember correctly, and that doesn't seem like too long ago. Um, Moving out now to this one, it takes place at the York Hall in Bethnal Green, London. Again, the the card I just mentioned there in Canada, that goes down tomorrow, Friday. This one also goes down tomorrow, Friday, um, at York Hall, Bethnal Green, London. It's going to be live on BT Sports. Um, Two main fights, I guess, to mention. We're going to see Ellis Zorro, who's 14-0, undefeated. Um, This is over eight rounds, by the way, at Cruiserweight. He gets in... With Deck Spellman. Um, it's a really interesting fight because Ellis Zorro, you know, he's been in with pretty much journeyman, to be honest, until he boxed in. I think it was the I've forgotten what the tournament is called now. The it's like a it's like a prize fighter type thing, basically, where there are free free round fights. If you win all of them, then you become champion of this mini tournament that they have in one night. So he won unanimously over three rounds in all three of the fights. So he picked up three wins basically last time he fought in you know in one evening, which was back in May of this year. Um, he beat James Farrell, Jamie Smith, and Ricky Reeves all unanimously over three rounds. So like I say, he was eleven and zero before that day, and now he's fourteen and zero. The most rounds he's done is six rounds. Um, He's done that on two occasions, I believe. But like I say, most of his wins have just been against journeymen, really. He gets in with Dex Spellman, who I guess is a little bit of a veteran, really, in the domestic scene. 18-5 and five these days, Dex Spellman. But I tell you what, he's well worth 
you know, a little punt as an underdog. Um, you know, five losses. Let's talk about the five losses briefly. A loss to Scott Westgarth. That's the that's the terrible um, fight that he had where, you know, he lost the fight, but Scott Westgarth went on to obviously collapse after the fight and subsequently pass away. It was It was really tragic. And then after that, he has lost four fights, but they've been to Shakan Pitters twice, um, Lyndon Arthur, uh, all of those on points, by the way, and then he's only been stopped just the one time. It was to Anthony Yard. So, you know, he's not a bad fighter. He does have some decent wins against the likes of Joel McIntyre. Um, that's probably his standout win, really. But he's a tough guy, like I say, you know. So Ellis Zorro, I'm not too sure how good he is, but we're going to see. And I think that um, it's, it's going to be a really good fight. That's the chief support there. But the main event, Denzel Bentley, 16-1 and one with a draw. Gets in with Marcus Morrison, 25-5. and five. Um, I've never, it's, it's a bit harsh, but I've never really rated Morrison that much, to be honest with you. Um, five losses. Only one by knockout. It was to Zach Parker back in November 2021. Um, his other losses came on points to Alistair Warren, Chris Eubank Jr., Tyan Booth, and Jason Wellborn. Um, you know, he, he's decent. I think he's kind of got a little bit better as time's gone on. But again, last time he beat a guy with a winning record was... Um, a few years back now, you know, so he's a big, big underdog, Marcus Morrison. They're expecting Bentley to get him out of there. I really fancy Denzel Bentley to win on points because, like I say, generally, Marcus Morrison's really tough. The only guy to stop him was Zach Parker. I think Zach Parker's special. I think he's going places. But Bentley, we have to look at his recent form. A questionable win last time out against Linus Udofia. A good win against Sam Evans. He was knocked out before that against Felix Cash. Um... A good win before that against Mark Heffron, and then the fight before that was a draw with Mark Heffron. So it's been a little bit kind of hit and miss recently for him. A draw, a win, a loss, a win, another win that was controversial. That's his last um, five fights I've just spoke about there. So I don't think he's going to go in there and blow um, Marcus Morrison out of there. No one really does, and that's what the bookies think is going to happen. Like It's not even worth betting on Denzel Bentley to win by a knockout. You won't even double your money. So I think there's real value in Bentley to win on points. I really do. Um, so, yeah, all the best to him there. Moving out now to the Emperor's Palace in Kempton Park in South Africa over here. Kevin Lorena, that is a former cruiserweight. I think he's had two fights at heavyweight, if I'm not mistaken. But here he truly gets in with a real, I guess, solidified heavyweight, despite being up there in age. Um, Kevin Lorena, 27-1, is for the IBO Intercontinental Heavyweight title. He gets in with Marius Wack, who's 36-8. and eight. I don't think you can... You can um, overlook Wack too much, especially as a cruiserweight. I think Kevin Lorraine is only about six foot tall, might even be just six foot one. So he's going to be the much smaller guy physically. Obviously, he's got youth on his side. I think he's only 30. Marius Wack's got to be about 41, 42, I'd take a guess at. Um, but he was always quite tough, wasn't he, Marius Wack? But Kevin Lorraine, being a southpaw, um, 
yeah, I, I don't know. There could even be some value in Marius Wack grinding out a win there somehow, but it is in South Africa, so you'd expect if it's going to be close, they're going to give it to Lorena. Uh, moving out now to the Bolton Whites Hotel. Uh, this one takes place on Channel 5, so don't miss it here in the UK. Nathan Gorman on the undercard, 19-1, and no opponent just yet. Friend of the show, Lyndon Arthur, 19-1 and as well. He gets in with Walter Sequeira, who's 25-9 and with a draw. Um, I remember Sakera losing to Anthony Yard some years back now. So, yeah, Lyndon Arthur really in a bit of a gimme fight there. Um, it's to be understood. And the main event, I think it's the main event, Gavin Gwynn, 15 and 2, gets in with Craig Woodruff, who's who's um, 12 and 6. That one is over 12 rounds for the British and Commonwealth lightweight titles. Now, the big one, the big one, it goes down, of course, at the T Mobile Arena in Las Vegas, Nevada, USA. It's going to be live on the zone. I believe it's pay per view, if I'm not mistaken. I'm sure it is. Um, Let's start with the undercard, then I'll get to the main event. Mark Castro, 7-0, gets in with Kevin Mendoza, who's 7-1 with two draws. We've got Diego Pacheco, 15-0, getting in with Enrique Calazo, who's 16-2 with a draw. That one for the WBC United States Super Middleweight title, which is currently vacant. We've also got Austin Amo-Williams, 11-0. Um, fighting here for the WBA international middleweight title, which is also vacant. He gets in with the UK's Kieran Conway, who's 18-2 and two with a draw. Um, Kieran Conway's a good fighter, to be honest with you, but I, I, I kind of get the feeling here that they're feeding him to Austin Amo-Williams, who looked really good last time out, stopping Chordell Booker in just a round. But Kieran Conway, like I say, generally quite a tough guy, never been stopped. Um, a split decision loss to Suleiman Sissoko over 10 rounds last year. Also a draw with Ted Cheeseman. And then he lost a split decision over three rounds in one of those, like I say, prize fighter-like kind of tournaments that they do all in one night. So, um... He's not a bad fighter. He's really not a bad fighter. Come off a good win against James Metcalf back at the um, the back end of last year. Um, it's a really good fight. But like I say, because he's on the road, I've got this feeling that they're trying to feed him to Austin Ammo-Williams. I just hope that he doesn't make Conway look silly. I'd love to see Conway pull off the upset. I'm not Williams' biggest fan, I don't think. So all the best there to Kieran Conway. I'm pulling for him here. Um, elsewhere on the card, we've got Ali Akhmadov, who's 18-1. and one. He fights here for the vacant IBF North American super middleweight title against Gabe Rosado, the man who just carries on fighting and fighting and fighting despite what his record looks like. His record these days is 26-15 and 15 with a draw, coming off that loss last time out to Shane Mosley Jr. And then the loss before that to Jaime Mungia. Um... Ali Akhmadov, though, 18-1, like I said, 14 KOs, super middleweight, uh, super middleweight from Kazakhstan, based in California, though, in the US. Um, he has a loss. He was knocked out in the final round to Carlos Gongora. Um, he was winning the fight. All he needed to do was not get knocked out, but he got knocked out in the final round. We know that Gongora went on to lose to Larone Richards. Um... Not sure what to make of it, really. I guess the writing's on the wall for Akhmadov to win this fight, but you never really tend to have an easy night against Gabe Rosado, but we're going to see how he looks. Um, there's a lot of hype around Akhmadov, but that Gongora late stoppage didn't look good for him at the time. Um, 
moving up once again. Jesse Bam Rodriguez, 16-0, defending his WBC Super Flyweight title against Israel Gonzalez, who's 28-4 with a draw. This is um, a Mexican fighter who I remember getting in with, I want to say, Cal Yafai, I think, a few years ago, when Cal Yafai was world champion. Um, but yeah, I mean, like I've said before, this guy here, I think we talked about it briefly when the fight first got announced. Um, this guy here was, um, was, was a guy that I guess never really won any of his big fights. He lost to Chocolatito, lost to Kalyafi, lost to Jerwin and Cajas. Um, yeah, you know, uh, got him there with Sho Ishida, managed to beat him on a split. That was a good win, I guess. Um... But yeah, other than that, most of his big fights he loses. Um, still amazing that he's only 25 years of age. Seems like he's been around forever. I think he's been a pro for almost um, almost 10 years, which, you know, they like to start him early in Mexico, as we know. Um, but yeah, good to see Jesse Bam Rodriguez once again, even if you're a, if you're, um, a casual fan. I think he's beginning to capture that audience as well. He's such a brilliant fighter and... Um, Certainly as a hardcore boxing fan, you can't help but appreciate Bam Rodriguez, who seems like he'll just fight anyone. Um, he looked brilliant last time out against um, Wissaxel Wangek, and the fight before that against Carlos Quadras. Unbelievable fighter. Um, and the main event, it is the trilogy fight. Eddie, Saul, Canelo Alvarez, 57-2 and two with two draws, getting in with Gennady Golovkin, 42-1 and one with a draw. It's for the IBF, the WBA, the WBC, and the WBO World Super Middleweight titles. I'm not even sure who holds what, but let's just say the winner here is the undisputed champion at Super Middle. Um... Obviously, Canelo coming off that loss at 175 to Dimitri Bivol, and Gennady Golovkin coming off a decent win last time out against Ryota Morata. Um, I don't know, Eddie. I'm a bit disappointed the fact that it is on pay-per-view. Obviously, the pair last got in the ring um, four years ago to the same, like to the week. It's actually been four years since Canelo Triple G two. Um, like I say, as I was just saying there, it's not the trilogy fight that most people wanted to see, in my opinion. I really couldn't care less about this third fight. Definitely not going to be paying for it. I'll find a stream, though, because I like both guys. But, um, yeah, I don't think it's a fight that many people were calling for. It's happening because I guess it's a big money fight. Um, Canelo clearly didn't want to go straight back in with Dimitri Bivol. However... He is coming off a loss, and that hasn't been the case since he lost to Floyd Mayweather all those years ago. That loss made him a better fighter, many people would say. Losing to Dimitri Bivol, though, in a fight that he truly thinks he won, if you've heard him do any interviews since then, Eddie. Um, are we going to see him, you know, look a better fighter? Because that was the case first time with the loss to Floyd. This loss to Bivol, I'm not sure it's the same because he truly does think he won, but... Um, yeah, like I say, it's not the it's not the fight that we wanted to see. I think most mo most boxing fans are not too interested in the third fight. But how do you see it? And does Canelo or does Golovkin, I should say, have any um, anything going for him? Obviously, he's getting older. He's not the younger guy. He seems to have slowed down. But is is there anything that works in his favor? Could he could he perhaps win this third fight by any chance? I I I don't necessarily think he can win. I mean, I don't want to say it's impossible. I mean, everybody has a puncher's chance. Um, but we can all agree that Canelo has an extremely, extremely good chin, very good defensively, and still in the prime of his career, maybe a little, a little 
not to say past it, but you know, he's you know, could be coming to the tail end of it. You know, he's been pro for so long. Um, but Triple G, we know, is not where he once was. But you know, when 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 top fighters get in the ring with top with other top guys, they tend to rise to the occasion. Uh, they prepare better. Their 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 level of IQ is is heightened. Everything, you know, everything goes up a notch, and it should. Uh, let's just hope that Triple G is still able to give a great account of himself and isn't too old stepping in there uh, with Canelo this time. I, I still think Triple G's jab is going to be, uh, you know, a, an effective weapon for him. He, he needs to stay with it. He needs to also watch some tape of what we've all did. He's not going to be able to completely replicate it, but he'll be able to do some things uh, to, a, to, a, to kind of add to the arsenal what he's bringing to the table. You know what I mean? Um I still think it's going to be interesting. Nobody's really looking at it like, oh, this is going to be a great, big, you know, a huge fight. Everybody wants to see. It's not really something that we were thinking about. We were kind of actually looking at it like, you know, if it happens, uh, you know, almost don't want to see it because we kind of think, you know, figure Triple G is just past it at this point. But you never know. It actually turned out to be that that fight that surprises you. You know what I mean? Kind of like the situation would be whole. A lot of people didn't think he would win, but damn sure did. So, you know, it's a good fight to watch. I'm going to I'm gonna watch. I don't know. It's pay-per-view, right, Joe? Yeah, I believe so. Yeah. That's the only thing that's going to put a little... <laughs> I think I might have to go stream with that, too. Because um, I, I just don't see it being that exciting of a, a situation to put together for, you know, you know pay 70, right? 70 to 100 bucks for. But... Um, regardless, some boxing fans, hardcore guys are going to want to see it and they're going to do it that way rather than stream it. Oh, well, um, still, like I said, a good fight. Interesting. Still, I want to see kind of where Triple G is and, and what he can do and whether Canelo can get back to the winning way. So at the end of the day, it's still going to be interesting. I, I think Canelo much, uh, too much for him at this point in his career and, uh, I expect Canelo to win a decision. I don't think he'll stop, him, but I think he'll definitely want to end up winning the decision. Yeah, and speaking of the decision win um, for Canelo, I also think that there's not going to be a knockout in the fight. And to bet on that, by the way, to bet on um, to bet on the fact that the fight just goes the distance, it doesn't. You don't have to pick a winner, but just for the fight to go the distance, I think six uh, six pounds or six dollars would win ten dollars. So or £10, so it's not a bad bet that, to be honest, it's almost doubling your money there, um, I think that can be topped up for a few parlays or accumulators just to throw it in there, because uh, I can't see there being a knockout this time, they've already done 24 rounds together, even though Canelo, um, or I should say Triple G, seemed to wear a few of those punches from Morata last time, it didn't look like at any point he was on the verge of being properly hurt or going down or anything like that, and can't really see it with Canelo, especially coming off a loss. It's going to be interesting to see the the mental welfare here, um, or the mental battle, I should say, going down. Um, the mental warfare, I meant to say, not welfare. <laughs> um, it's going to be interesting to see that mental warfare, because like I say, does Canelo truly think you won that fight? Many people think, no, there's no way you can seriously think you won. So seeing him here, getting in with an old foe, a guy that he wholeheartedly believes he's better than it's just going to be interesting to see how he looks to be honest with you um 
like we say, Golovkin um, seems like he's very much on the slide. The first fight I thought he won 8-4. The second fight I thought was a draw. But he has slowed down. I didn't even want to see the second fight because he'd slipped before the first fight, don't forget. And then the second fight, I didn't think there was much need for it. And now we're getting the third fight four years on from that second fight. It's just so bizarre. It's like... You know, I know Canelo's a superstar and he can kind of fight whoever he wants. He could even fight against a hamster and he'd and he'd probably get massive pay-per-view figures. But it's not a fight I'm going to be paying for, like I say. And it's, it's, um, it's quite disappointing to see them get it on for a third time. I really like Triple G, but, you know, I don't feel like he needs a payday either. I'm, I'm just struggling to see why anyone would want to watch this again and um, what the real point in it is for either guy, because if Canelo wins, oh, he won before as well, what's the point, if Golovkin wins, fantastic, I guess it's a, it's kind of a win-win for Golovkin, it's like a lose-lose really for Canelo, um, is it just a confidence booster to get back in at 175, we just don't know, um, but yeah, a bit pointless for me, I will be watching it of course, it's always good to see the pair fight, um, just not each other. I'm just not interested in that. That's all I've got to say, really. But hopefully Golovkin can get get a win. That would be fantastic because I feel like he certainly deserved at least one. But yeah, very hard to get a win on the scorecards against Canelo, unless your name is Dimitri Bivol, it would seem. But anyway, that wraps up the preview part of the show. In part one, we did the news. There was nothing to review. Then we welcomed our special guest, the welterweight contender Michael Fox, one of my favorite men in boxing very nice guy always a pleasure having him on the show and then in part two we just wrap things up with the preview part the final thing for me to do is to come in with the outro which i'll do in just a few seconds Okay, and this wraps up episode 361 of the Box Hard Podcast. I've been your host, Joey Coastman. Eddie Chambers has been with me for the duration of the show. A special thank you to our special guest, the welterweight contender, Mr. Michael Fox. The biggest thanks of all, though, goes out to you, the listeners. If you do have just a spare minute, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. They mean an absolute... A lot to us, they really do. Or if you listen on Spotify, I think you can leave us a review on there as well. We're we're new to Spotify, I believe. Um, so yeah, like I said, they only take a minute to write, but they go a long way. Remember to tell a friend to tell a friend about the podcast as well, of course. Enjoy your weekends, people. Stay safe, and we shall see you this time again next week. <laughs>